A crowd of people gathers to watch Scott do his work, but he doesn't mind. I simply don't get nervous. I'm missing a synapse in my brain. I, like, I don't, it's not a badge of pride. I don't know why. Scott looks every part a blacksmith. He's got this big bushy beard and long dark hair, which he pulls back into a bun to keep it out of his eyes. His arms are covered in tattoos, his feet in dark brown boots. And today, he's wearing a black shirt. Actually, he's always wearing a black shirt because he doesn't want you to see just how sweaty he gets as he clenches his jaw and takes swing after swing. It's a rare craft that he pursues in our digital world today, but Scott is a master craftsman. Every motion he makes looks completely natural, but it's all been practiced before. In fact, any smith who's any good at all knows that you're never perfect. It's all about putting in those reps. So, as a result, every swing that Scott takes connects. Today, this bearded smith from Canada seems totally at ease. He takes a moment to stare into the crowd. His eyes are fiery, like the very material that others are here to watch him mold. It's not iron, by the way, or any precious metal. It's ideas. A woman standing next to Scott, the company's CEO, grabs a microphone, and she stands on a stage to address the attendees at a marketing conference. Ladies and gentlemen, a big round of applause. And Scott Stratton, the wordsmith, strides onto the stage and begins to present his keynote speech. This thing that he's forged with red hot fire. Millennials don't like meetings. I just read this last week. Millennials don't like meetings. Who the hell likes meetings? demographic that goes meeting giddy up let's go i gotta be in there (laughs) yep that is scott stratton and even though his wares are delivered with red hot fire scott is no blacksmith instead he's a marketing keynote speaker as a professional speaker he's given hundreds of talks to dozens of companies ranging from walmart and toyota to adobe and microsoft and many in between He's written four best-selling books, and he hosts a hilarious podcast called The Unpodcast. And yet there's so much more than meets the eye to Scott Stratton's work. It's hilarious. It's refreshing. It's shocking. Keep, 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 keep it going. It's unthinkable. Stories about conventional thinking at work and the people who dare to question it. I'm Jay Akunzo. So there's this commonly cited fact that public speaking ranks at the very top of the list for people's biggest fears. It's one of those things that people like to say right after they say, hey, here's a fun fact for your next cocktail party. Okay, seriously, where are all these cocktail parties that we've been told so much about? Also, why do the people at these parties communicate exclusively in trivia? Sounds terrible slash uh, maybe pretty awesome. But anyways, we've been told time and time again that public speaking is the number one biggest fear that people have. And that is actually not true. For the past three years, Chapman University in Southern California has released a study called America's Top Fears. In 2016, public speaking didn't even make the top three. Those spots belong to corrupt government officials, terrorist attacks, and not having enough money for the future. Public speaking also didn't make the top 10, or 20, or even 30. In this random survey of just over 1,500 U.S. adults, public speaking ranked 33rd on the list of fears. 
Still, it's incredibly shocking to see that more people were scared of speaking in public than the following things. Getting robbed, walking alone at night, natural disasters, financial fraud, sexual assault, even dying. Yeah, straight up dying was less nerve-wracking to most people than public speaking. So if public speaking is your job, well, you're already in a pretty small category of folks. But Scott Stratton is in a category of one. He's this walking bag of contradictions and quirks. And it all ranges from the big stuff, the things that you might get in some book or blog post somewhere, all the way down to how he styles his hair. I just want to cover something right now. Should I address the man bun now or at the end of the talk? All right, so I kind of have to start where you do. Should we address the man bun now or? (laughs) It's the greatest opening line I've ever had for a talk. I I won't ever be able to cut it off. And your whole look really goes with the man bun. I, I don't want to say flows from the man bun. Maybe maybe that came last as, as the, uh, the hairy cherry on top, but um, hairy cherry. that's it's the hairy cherry. It, it is. I only do keynotes, right? So I'm stepping up in front of a few hundred or a few thousand people. And the majority of the time, since I don't speak in my own bubble, I'm not known. You know, I'm not at that point where um, outside of a marketing audience, I'm not, I don't have that name recognition. So I get up and people are just like, why is the sound guy on stage? What, <laughs> what's he doing up there? And they're just like, they're just, it's either at the very start of a conference to open and it's really early and they're not in the mood for whatever I'm about to do, or it's at the end and they just want to go home. So uh, when I walk up and I look at everybody and I say, do you want me to address the man bun now or later? It totally disarms the room. Who cares what he looks like so long as he can deliver the goods? Well, I mean, as you probably guessed, plenty of people. Probably six, seven years ago, I was getting ready to go on in front of um, 1,500 insurance agents at eight in the morning in Vegas. That's a brutal time. Mm -hmm. And this was during March Madness. So they had a tailgate party sponsored the night before with a literal truck tailgate in the ballroom and open bar. So... I'm about to go on. And this is a big deal for me. This is a big gig. One of my first big ones. And I'm ready to go. I'm wearing my black shirt, my, my, my dark jeans, my boots. And uh, a woman who I didn't know came up to me. And she had the headset on. So she's coordinating part of the event. And she came up to me and just did, gave me the once over. And goes, can you go change into something more appropriate? Whoa. And I'm, I'm mic'd up. I'm ready to go on stage. And if you know anything about Vegas and, and conferences, especially the Venetian and the Sands Conference Center that's attached to it, it is 18 miles you know, <laughs> to your room on a good day. And, and so I'd have to catch a bus. Like there was no way this was going to happen. And, and I'm lucky I don't get nervous speaking. So I didn't get rattled, but I knew that, you know, that could just take somebody down to their core you know, right before they go on. And the funny thing was at the same time, the guy before me who was doing like a mini 15 minute little presentation in a full suit and tie was bombing. He was terrible. And I looked up at him when I looked back at her and I said, I promise you when I'm done, nobody's going to walk out and say that was awesome, but I wish he had on a, a, a tie. And she looks at me and goes, whatever, and walks away. So I go up on stage and the, the the terribles guy was speaking before me. He hands me the clicker for the slides, and he hands it to me. And, and then he hands he starts taking off his microphone. He thinks I'm the sound guy, <laughs> and I'm like, 
I got this, man. Don't worry. And I get up on stage and you could feel the room just go, what the hell is this? And they're all insurance reps. And I said, hey, everybody, uh, I'm not in insurance. I don't even have insurance. And that's your fault. Here's why. And I just ripped them for an hour. And I got a standing ovation. And the only standing ovation of the whole event. It was a five-day event. And, um, uh, and I walked off the stage. And the woman from earlier was standing there. And I took off my mic. I handed it to her. And I said, so do you think I needed the tie? <laughs> and her head just sunk down. And, and, that, and that was it. You know, that was so, it's how you handle that. But here's the other thing. I don't know how many gigs I haven't gotten because I won't wear it. That's the part about standing for something that nobody likes to talk about. When you're for something, you're against something else. And that something else is probably something that others might actually be for. And so your work won't be for everyone. I've, I've lost bookings because I'm not wearing a tie and jacket and I'm okay with that. Like I, I, I talk about authenticity and I talk about disruption and I don't know if I could talk about that in a, a strong way without being that myself. I once had somebody, I think it was um, last year at a, a speaking industry event at the NSA event and they were referencing me to somebody else and I was standing right there. So it was kind of weird. And they're just like, well, and they just did this kind of one waving gesture of their hand. They said, well, that's his thing. Like the way I look is my shtick on stage. And it's, it's not, I'm, I'm about as authentically me as, as I can be on stage. Now, hold on a second. When Scott mentions this idea of authenticity or being himself, I can almost sense these little celebration fireworks going off in your gut right now. It's like, yeah, hell yeah, Scott, be yourself. Preach, man. But, but we're falling victim to this tweetable, quotable, quip-happy culture of ours. It's just that we think our side is better, but it's not. Reality isn't so black and white. Reality is gray, with splotches of yellow, and orange, and pink, and polka dots over here, but stripes over there, and scribbles, and crossouts, and doodles, and reality is a mess. And Scott embraces that fact. Here's, here's the, the, the really important point, though, that everybody misses. If I was getting no gigs, because this is all I do for a living, if I was getting no paid keynotes, I would wear a tuxedo if you paid me. Like, like having these standards, people are like, well, he's, he's true to himself. I'm only true to myself because I'm making money. Like, if I wasn't having business, I would wear whatever you told me to wear. I'd put on the tie and the suit and I'd wear a top hat, whatever it was. So it's a privilege for me to be able to dress the way I want to. And that's a different view people see. And that's the problem with emulating people and emulating speakers. And that's a problem with um, uh, emulating uh, uh, myself or, to a larger extent, uh, Gary V. And, you know, well, he swears on stage and he can do that. And, yeah, and that's good for his business. I'm like, you have no idea what that means for his business or what it means for my business or how many gigs lost versus, you know, gotten or how much that plays into his business or mine. So it's, it's not, it's never the one thing when it comes to speaking. It's never the one thing like, well, if I only wore jeans, then I'd get more gigs. Or if I only did this, I'd get more. And it's just, it's just not the case. Scott is running a business. He needs results. If nobody wants what he has to offer, well, he has to offer something else. We've talked before on this show about the Venn diagram that creators are building. We're constantly looking for the center of that diagram. The circle on the left is stuff that you love or stuff that you are. 
The circle on the right is stuff that others love or want or need. The goal, and I think the source of fulfillment for creators, is to find that overlap in the middle. That overlap between the stuff you love and others love too. But make no mistake, it has to be both if this is going to be your job. But that's incredibly hard to find. So if we're going to tackle that difficult task and and make that our constant life journey, we may as well do things according to our principles. I, I, I just think it's this epidemic in business, and it's not, it's not isolated to, to speaking. We all want the shortcut. It's that human nature. We think technology has, has, is, 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 is a permission to shortcut everything. I love efficiency. I love what technology and apps and everything else has done for us when it comes to efficiency. But, you know, creating um, a buzz and an and experience in, in any business there's no shortcut to that. I think the one I always talk about, you know, millennials versus Gen X versus uh, boomers. And the one thing millennials can't have that uh, I do and those older than me is wisdom. And that's simply time plus experience. You know, that's where it takes time to, to, to learn yourself because we're all 12 years old. We all think we know everything and, and, and we all have to learn it on our own a lot of the times. And there's no fast track to that. Now, now that was very wise. Well, I, well, thank you. There's the wisdom right there of the 42-year-old <laughs> man, uh, um, as I say. But th- but that is the big issue. And, and my biggest beef it, with a lot of things, especially if you want to go back into the silo of, of the speaking business, is that we sell programs to people and they always use the word just. And just is the biggest red flag for me in any kind of business or success program that you're looking at and rolling in or buying where you're you're just missing this or just do that that doesn't exist there is no just like if somebody um isn't getting speaking gigs if they just you know wore uh, uh, um, a collared shirt instead of a suit They'd get to get, they're not missing one thing necessarily. It's a combination of a lot of small things. And, and that's our problem because we can't package that. We can't package the fact that it, 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 people look at me now and say, well, he just did, he just sent some tweets and yada, yada, yada. He makes a million dollars a year speaking. Like it's just not the case. Nobody looks at the effort because there's no course that sells effort. There's no course that sells, it takes a hell of a lot of time and, a hell of luck, timing, and skill involved, and because that doesn't sell. Scott knows what the average speaker typically sells. They sell hype wrapped in a suit. They sell a list of logos past employers who are code for that speaker's worthiness. They sell secrets and shortcuts. They sell hacks and cheats. There's this image of what people expect you to be when you're a quote-unquote business speaker. And then Scott walks onto the stage. Who here is 18 to 35? Hands up. Oh, God, they're already here. (laughs) They're in the room. (laughs) Now only communicate through landlines so they won't hear us. Yeah, so that came from uh, two years ago or so. I was doing an event in uh, Buffalo, New York, and... I'm about, and this was to um, uh, post secondary, so it was college university uh, marketing people. You know, like these were my people, and this was my second time doing their conference. So I had a lot of comfort. I was really comfortable with them, a lot of comfort. I needed new stuff because I had spoken to them a year or two before. And Allison was with me. So Allison is my wife, but also my partner in the business and the co-author of the books. And I turned to her right. Like I had one foot on the step as I'm being introduced. I turned to her. I said, "I think I'm going to lose it about millennials today." 
And I got up on stage and I just went on a tangent. What we mean by millennials when we say that word, that word is people younger than us and we don't like you. <laughs> Full stop. That's it. That's the entire statement. Fellow older folk, am I telling the truth? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You hear that bitter clap? Yes. 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 You wonder why we give you the stink eye when you complain when the Wi-Fi goes down. You're like, I can't stream Spotify. I made a new playlist. Do you know how we used to make a playlist? Play, record, and pause on the Ghetto Blaster. What's, what's up? It's the top eight at eight. I know there'll be a good one. Hang on. Is that Bell Biv DeVoe Poison? I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, let it go. Let it go. And we recorded it. If the DJ would shut up for a second and stop talking through the song, right? And then you think when your phone dies, that's a tragedy? Oh, no. No, no. Let me give you a tragedy. When you're listening to Bell Biv DeVoe, no! And you pull the tape out, and it's a spider web of tape. Somebody get me a pencil! And if you got the pencil joke, we just became best friends. And, and, and for some context, people listening, I'm not rallying about millennials. I'm, I'm, I'm joking about how ridiculous we are about millennials and how it's, it's biased and it's prejudice. And I, I usually make most of my points through humor and sarcasm to get to a moral. I think if you laugh, you listen. So that rant, it went over to the point where people were screaming laughing. And so I said, well, that's a bit... Scott has wanted to do this job ever since he was a kid. When I saw Les Brown on stage uh, on TV, I was at home just west of Toronto watching a WNED Buffalo feed from across the lake, and it was uh, a pledge drive. Ladies and gentlemen, it is with great honor that we present to you Les Brown. And if you donated something like $37, you would get a VHS copy of Les Brown's motivational talk. And they played uh, Les Brown's. What I'd like for you to do right now, I want you to think about your dream, because I'm in a room full of dreamers. Think about your dream right now. I want you to think about it and envision it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me share something with you. And I, I sat on the floor in the living room. I remember it vividly and watched him. And I just said, you can do that? Like, that's a thing? You could do that for a living? And I was that day forward, I was going to be... A speaker. And I want to share something with you that has changed my life. And after working in HR to start his career, then running his own viral video agency, he branched out in the 2010s to speak full time. I love it. And it's such a, a cool living. It's such a cool life to do this for a living because most people in the industry, people don't speak solely and that's how they make money there's other ways to do it in different you know there's workshops and full days and training and consulting and everything and coaching and for me it's just like i do an hour and i'm gone it's just gonna be a lot of airports and a lot of hotels and it's i could do without that stuff i want to be home uh you know with my family and and alice and i combine we have five kids and they still think we're 
you know, fractionally cool. So I still want to, you know, spend some time with them before they're all gone. And uh, I don't like to be away from home, but I also know this is my dream. So that's my, that's my struggle is I love my family. I love our home and I love being home. But ever since I was 12, all I wanted to do was be a speaker. And man, oh man, is Scott realizing his dream. In 2016, he booked a million dollars in speaking fees and his schedule just keeps filling up. I do about 60 to 70 a year. Um, right now, we're averaging 80% in the U.S. and the, pretty much the remainder 20% in Canada where I live. As for his next week. It's five cities in five days and five talks to five different industries. What makes all these gigs both possible and successful is the way that Scott approaches his product, his speech. Well, I, I think one of the things is um, is that uh, I don't rehearse or I don't prepare. Now, what I mean by that is I speak enough that every talk is a rehearsal for the next talk. So it's just I do it. Like I've done probably 300 and, whew, 360, 370 keynotes in past six years or so. So every one of those is the work for the next one. The famous comedian Louis C.K. once said this about his stand-up. I try to make it seem like I'm just getting this out, but I know all the moves. I know every little piece of it. I really relate what I do um, to more of a comedian because it's like a set and you have fixed bits in each part of the set. What we see when we see a logo is two things. Our most recent experience with the brand or one we've heard. And our most extreme experience with the brand or one we've heard. And what I do is I've, I've never created a new talk. It's been the same talk since the first book tour speaking date in 2010 as it is today. And it's not even remotely the same. Meaning every, so the talk just morphs. My world is called on marketing and how marketing really the best type of marketing is not what we do on purpose sometimes. When I talk about unmarketing and unselling, and which is my world, my brand, unbranding, uh, we think about things that aren't in our control. That's really what brands us. For me, my world is about the unworld, unmarketing, unbranding, unselling. And what I mean by that is that most of the time, our most effective marketing and selling happens when we're not trying to. It, it changes as I go, and it, so the newer things, the better things, the things that I think will resonate better for the message for the audience, I will put in. But the thing about a talk is it's it's constrained to a time limit. So if something new goes in, something has to come out. So you'll see there's segments. If you break down the talk, you know, like I have my opening story about the Ritz-Carlton and the Joshi stuffed giraffe, and that's stayed for a few years now because it's really hard to remove it because it works perfectly for almost everything I'm saying, and it's not a violent part of the talk. Like, I get really, really, really angry. Did your brain just blow back out your ear? But this is the problem. This is the actual thing. We create a stereotype. When we generalize 18 years of people, it's called stereotyping. It's called prejudice. No! <laughs> but but, but the, the, I have to build up to that. You can't come out just guns a-blazing. You see, his job isn't to just get angry and dance around. It's not to share a bunch of quotes that you can tweet. It's not to brag about all the great work he's done in the past. And it's certainly not to wear a suit. No, Scott's job is to deliver the best speech possible. It, what I think what kills me about speaking general in general and the advice that's given is, is that it's like everything but the talk, the content. 
It's like everything else. It's anchoring, which is where you stand on stage and negative stand over here, positive stand over here. And then it's about your attire. And then it's about, um, should you use Prezi or PowerPoint or no slides at all? And, and nobody's talking about know your stuff really well. You know, have these, have great content, have these type of content updating, like having the actual information you're relaying on the audience is important. Even the importance and the difference between a keynote talk and a breakout or a workshop. Those are inherently different things that we rarely talk about. If you are a workshop speaker, that is not a keynote talk. A keynote talk is like an eagle's eye view of things. You're setting the tone for a day. I don't want 15 takeaways necessarily to keynote talk. And you, you got to set the tone for the day. It's more of a performance than anything else. And people pay for performances. And that's everything to do with speaking for me. Do you have the knowledge and the experience to have the credibility to say something with an ability to say it well enough that people want to pay you to say it? That's what it comes down to. What is the difference between speaking or, or, you know, you call yourself a speaker? I think to some degree, it's almost like what book authors are becoming. It's like, I'm an author. Eh, not, not really. You just kind of published an ebook and you're calling yourself an author. Uh, I think speaking has could be accused of losing some of that cachet, but then you are a professional speaker. You know, what's the difference? The difference, you know, I think is for keynote, when I say keynote speaker, and I have that even, you know, on the LinkedIn bio and everything else is like, like, this is what I do. And it's professional. And professional simply means you get paid. And I just think there also are many avenues in speaking that doesn't always mean direct payment for it. It's just that I don't have a back end. I'm not selling consulting. I'm not selling my agency. I'm not selling, you know, back of room sales for, for the most part, unless there's a bookseller there or something. But anybody who's been brave enough to get up and stand and talk in front of people deserves the title of speaker. Uh, I, I, I'm okay with that because it takes a lot to do that. It's really hard, even though I don't have that issue. I understand it. I have the empathy for it that I get it. It's really, really hard. And if you want to call yourself a speaker, then, then okay. What kind of meaning do you draw in your life from the work that you get to do? Oh, it, well, first it's like, I'm pretty confident in what I do and I, I'm, I don't, try to display any false modesty about it but to be able to be the one who's chosen to go and stand on that stage for that day is is certainly a huge privilege and an honor to do it and like i don't i don't work it's the greatest <laughs> thing i've ever said i don't work it's amazing i love i i've never felt i'm going to work when i go to a gig I, i've never felt like okay well gotta put in the time gotta do the thing and i just Sitting at an airport last night waiting to come home was never like, ugh, I got to work. I got to – I live a blessed, privileged life. You know, we're living in a home that Allison and I bought because of what we've created. I get to to work with the, the woman I love who I met through Twitter. I have the greatest social media ROI in history. <laughs> I don't care what metrics you got. I got her. She's the – yeah, thank you. Like, come on. Like, it's ridiculous. And, and and then I get to go on stage. Like, I get I get applause. And yesterday, I got a standing ovation. What jobs get a standing ovation? Like, it's just... And then I get to influence people. You know, I get to influence them, hopefully, in the way of doing things right and ethically. And once in a while, I get to mention my... If it comes into the context of the talk, I mention my unlearned tattoo on my arm, which is not a branding exercise. It's, it's about unlearning hate and prejudice and like so I get to spread that message and then I get to see the world and I get to meet 
all different people and I get to make a good living doing it. I just, man, it's just every day I appreciate it. And the coolest thing about it is to know what's happening when it's happening and then appreciate it as well. And that's, that's awesome. The difference between Scott and everyone else isn't the man bun. It's not that he wears black polos or boots. It's not the humor, the volume, or even the stories that he shares. The difference between Scott and everyone else is that he's actually willing to use what makes him different. As a speaker, Scott is exceptional. And when you're exceptional, you are in some way an exception. Now the good news is, you are too. Every single person, every team is already an exception. Just by existing in the work that you do, you make that situation entirely unique. That is the good news. The bad news is that we don't often trust that. We rarely use it. We don't apply it with confidence to our work. Now I know Scott is a solo act who controls his entire fate, and you probably have peers or bosses or clients. I get that, I really do. But this isn't about going rogue. It's about something far simpler, self-awareness. The next time you wanna do something great, don't just audit your budget or your tools, audit yourself, audit your team. You see, you are the only thing that nobody else has access to. You are your work's unfair advantage. So the question is, are you using it? This is how it works. This is how things get spread. Everybody wants viral. Everybody wants word of mouth. But we don't realize the one key to going viral and getting word of mouth is doing something worth talking about. Damn, that's a good tweet. I'll wait. (laughs) At unmarketing. Hashtag amazing speaker. Hashtag man bun. Let it roll. Let's do this. Scott Stratton earns a living because people like to watch him. And maybe you're not in the business of speaking. But the next time someone says you can't do things differently, lace up those boots, tighten up that bun, and say what Scott would say. Watch me.